Hey everybody, my name is Tyler. I'm the student pastor here at FCC. Welcome to our podcast. We're glad you joined us. Let's get into the word. During our time in Taiwan, uh, Kathy and I had a front row seat to see God transforming self-centered, fearful, greedy, pagan people into human beings created in the image of God, filled with his love and his compassion because they had met Jesus. And during that process, um, we got acquainted with a class of people, mostly men in Taiwan, very blue-collar, hard-working guys, manual labor type guys. Most of them were uneducated. Many of them could not read. Um, They were absolutely tattooed wonders. And uh, the the common thread, the, the thing that marked this subculture in Taiwan was these guys chewed the Taiwanese equivalent of red man or beech nut or, come on, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about, you guys. So this was made from a palm tree in Taiwan, a little nut, and it was cut with a very addictive substance, and it was very red. And these guys would chew this, and the spittle would come down the sides of their mouths, and, you know, they'd spit everywhere. You literally have to watch where you step in Taiwan. And if they had a car... The whole driver's side of their car was literally caked with this red betel nut spit. And um, because our people had learned to love those who were near to the heart of God, the blind, the poor, the crippled, the lame, the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the stranger, and the prisoner, these men began to find their way to our church, much like people who never thought God was interested in them are finding their way to this church here at FCC. And we began to see these men who felt like they were unclean and outcast and rejected by the larger community find a home at the Gaoshong Good News Christian Church. It was a beautiful thing to see, all because some people who were not like them had found Jesus, and they were filled with the love of Jesus, and they couldn't help but love those who felt like they were unclean and rejected. And our story this morning is about that. It's in Matthew chapter 8, the first four verses, and then the last four verses of that same chapter. So, before we get into this story, let's pray. Pray with me. Lord, This morning, I open up my heart to hear from you. Help me to see what you have been trying to tell us through your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Right on. So this is right after the Sermon on the Mount, which is in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And chapter 8 begins... When Jesus came down from the mountainside, 
large crowds were following him. And a man with leprosy came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. And he said, I am willing. Be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. And Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone. Instead, go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Wow. So I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions. We're going to work through this story again. I want you to learn this. It's easy. Where was Jesus coming down from? The mountainside. And who was following him? Large crowds. A man with a certain kind of disease. What was it? He came and what did he do before Jesus? He knelt down and he called him, Lord, if you are willing, you can do what? Make me clean. Then what did Jesus do before he ever said a word? He reached out his hand and touched the man. And then Jesus said, I am willing. Be clean. Immediately what happened? He was cleansed from his leprosy. And Jesus said, see that you don't tell anyone. Instead, go show yourself to who? To the priest and offer some kind of gift. The gift that Moses commanded and then what was the purpose of that gift? A testimony to them. Wow, you guys are awesome. See, you've already got it learned. So I, I just I want to share with you some things that hit me this week as I was spending time in this story. And the first thing is that this unclean leprous man somehow knew that he would not be unclean to Jesus. And I, I wondered, hmm, how many people are there around me, around us, who feel unclean? And do they feel that they would be acceptable to me or not? You know, this man knew that he was unclean and that he was ostracized from his entire community. In Jesus' day, if you had any kind of infectious disease, it may not have been leprosy, it could have been some other kind of infectious disease, you were considered unclean ceremonially, you were banned from temple worship, you were banned from living with your community, with your family. In fact, you had to live outside of town in what they call the leper colony, a special camp. Can you imagine that kind of life? And if you left your camp and you were walking along the road and you saw some other people coming your way, you had to yell out, unclean, unclean, referring to yourself, so that those people would give you a wide berth. Can you imagine living like that? Man, 
That was his life. He knew that he was unclean, he was untouchable. I wonder, what do we communicate to those who believe they are unclean? I spent some time with a couple of different groups this week um, going over this story, learning this story. And in, in one group, one young man, after we had gone over the story several times, and I asked him, what, what hits you in the story? And he says, I am the unclean one. I've always felt like that my whole life. My parents, my community have rejected me. I've never felt understood or accepted because of the things that I've done, because of his situation in life. You know, the shame and guilt of sin makes us all feel unclean. If people only knew what I've done, they would never accept me. Many of us feel this way. So we bury our past and we hide in the shadows and we never fully receive the healing forgiveness that Jesus gives us. But people, the church, that's us. Hello? The family of God must be safe and approachable for anyone just like Jesus was. If we're not, we cannot claim to follow this guy who we say we follow. I think one critical area where there is a lot of room for improvement in the church is with women who have had an abortion. Our nation is divided over this issue right now. It may be the deciding factor in upcoming elections. But we have a clear opportunity right now as representatives of Jesus to touch and heal women who feel unclean perhaps because we have made them feel this way. We want to be a safe church for women who have had abortions, not just in this issue. We're going to take a very slight rabbit trail right now. I want you to watch this video about an alternative approach to this issue. Why did God create pregnancy? He could have chosen to bring life into the world any way he wanted. But his design is pregnancy. There's really nothing else like it, where the welfare of two people are so intertwined that it's impossible to help one while bypassing the other. But instead of respecting God's design, the political debate divides us into two camps. One focused on the needs of the woman, the other focused on the needs of the child. What we need is a third option. Because somewhere in the middle of this debate is a woman and a child with real emotions and real needs. And if those needs go unmet, she often feels that her only choice is between abortion or overwhelming struggle as a mom. At current rates, more than one in four women in America will have an abortion by age 40. And the rates aren't that different between those who call themselves Christians and those who do not. That means there are thousands of women in our churches who have or will face an unplanned pregnancy. This may sound unbelievable because you've rarely heard this from women at your church, but isn't that proof there's a problem? Because for many women, the church is one of the last places they would turn to for help. But there is a way we can change this if we are willing to look inside first. 
What if there was a third way for Christians to respond? A new way to think about this issue, aligning with God's design of pregnancy so that we value both the woman and the child equally. A new way for us to talk about this issue, using language that communicates God's grace and builds bridges, not walls. And a new way to act, responding with grace the way Jesus would, so that our churches become safe places where both women and children can thrive during and after an unplanned pregnancy. God has a pathway of hope for the issue of abortion, and it's us, it's His church. When we embrace a new way to think, talk, and act, we release His grace, bringing His third option. Join the pro-grace movement today. The church is the pro-grace movement. And this is just a slight tweak in how we talk about things, but we, we tend to err on the side of being for the child at the expense of the mother. And some err on the side of being for the mother at the expense of the child. But God is for the child and the mother. And somehow, we, we have got to do a better job of communicating that to people. So that, we know, the research shows that four out of every ten women who have had an abortion are churchgoers, or were part of a church at the time of their procedure. But only 16% of all of those women said anything to anyone at their church. Why? Because they felt that the, their reception would simply be judgment and condemnation. And people, we've got to change that narrative. We've got to change that narrative. For women who, whether or not they feel unclean themselves, they believe that the church considers them unclean. You know, this man with the leprosy, when he came and he knelt before Jesus, he said, Lord, if you're willing, and we know Jesus was, we know that Jesus is, you can make me clean. Now, perhaps he meant, I know that you're able to make me clean. But maybe he said, Lord, I'm ready now. For you to make me clean. I'm finally willing to let go of this thing that I've been hanging on to my whole life. And let you come in and do what only you can do inside of me. Lord, if you're willing, and I believe you are, I'm ready now. I'm going to let go. You can make me clean. People, how many of us? have something that we feel makes us unclean and we won't let go of it. You need to do that today. Now is your chance to say to Jesus, I'm ready, Lord. You can make me clean. And you know what he'll do? He's not afraid to touch you because you're not unclean to him. He will reach out his hand into your heart and do what only he can do. He says, I am willing. Of course I'm willing. Be clean. And if you let him do that for you, what happened to this leprous man will happen to you immediately 
you will be cleansed of whatever it is that you've been hanging on to. Lord, I just, uh, I pray for our church. I pray for this family that is gathered today. Lord, help people to let go of whatever it is that they have not let you cleanse them of this morning. May this be a moment of deliverance and healing just as it was for this man with leprosy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Jesus was not afraid to touch anyone who was considered unclean. And neither should we be. I want to ask you a question. How did this guy, how did this leprous man know before Jesus even said a word to answer his question, how did he know that he was acceptable to Jesus. How did he know? It's right there in the story. What did Jesus do before he even said a word? He reached out his hand and he touched the man. People, that said it all. He didn't retreat in fear. He didn't say stay away, he violated a very, very serious, important sexual taboo. You do not touch people like that. You stay away from them. For crying out loud, why do you think we have them living in a camp outside of town? We don't want those people around. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched him? Do you see this? Did you see it in the story? He did. That's all the guy needed to hear. How could Jesus say, I am willing, if he wasn't willing to touch the man first? Let God speak to your heart about who you might be avoiding. Another thing that hit me right between the eyes is that Jesus wasn't interested in the spotlight at all. Only the testimony of the unclean made clean. See that you don't tell anyone. Instead, go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. People, Jesus did not need a stage or a show to exercise his ability to heal and deliver. What Jesus was saying to this man is what you need is to be restored to your community, not the fame of having been part of the miracle show. You see, in Leviticus 14, you can read about this. There was a special, simple offering that anyone who was cleansed of some kind of infectious disease, who was healed, was cured, would go and present to the priest at the temple. The priest would examine the individual and authenticate their healing. Yes, he's well. 
He's no longer unclean. And the priest, after receiving this offering from the previously sick individual, would pronounce him or her clean. And they could return and participate in temple worship. They would be restored to their community. They could go home to their family and have a life again. People, Jesus knows that our true inner healing from the trauma of rejection and whatever has happened to us in the past happens when our fellowship with God's family is restored. If you stay away, you're just opening the door wide for the devil to come in and finish his work of destruction. You need to be with your family, with God's family. If you're thinking of someone who's staying away right now, go to them and tell them that. It's not going to be okay until you get yourself back here. You need to be with your family. Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that there was much more healing that needed to take place than just this guy's skin. He needed the healing that comes from being restored to his community, and that was the purpose of this gift. And it was a testimony to the priest, so the priest could say, you're good, you're clean, come on back, come on home. At the end of Matthew 8, Matthew tells us that <clears throat> Jesus went to Peter's house. And when he came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. And Jesus reached out and touched her hand. And the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. Later, when evening came, many people who were demon-possessed were brought to Jesus, and he drove out the spirits with a word. And he healed all the sick. And then Matthew says, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and he bore our diseases. People, this is our Jesus. The one that we claim to follow. He did not retreat in fear before illness or disease or darkness. What I have to say now is for those of you with ears to hear. It's no judgment. It's just an observation and a challenge. <clears throat> Are you ready? Well, you're going to hear it anyway. <laughs> for the past almost three years now, we have been conditioned to retreat in fear in the face of a pandemic culture of social unrest rather than advance with courage in the Spirit of Christ. The people of God have never retreated in fear. The people of God have always been on the front lines of every national, natural disaster to aid and rebuild of every epidemic or pandemic to bring care and comfort and healing. 
and of every movement to rescue the impoverished or the oppressed. And we cannot stop now, people. If you've retreated in fear from what you know Jesus would have you do, and from whom you know he wants his people to touch and associate with and welcome, then it's time, people, it's time to get back to church. It's time to get back to work being the loving, touching, callous, and if you need it, perhaps sanitized hands of Jesus. <laughs> to bring healing and comfort to this hurting, broken, desperate for love world of ours. It's what we do. It's who we are. We do not retreat in fear. We do not reject people because of what they've done. We do not disassociate our people, ourselves from people who are not like us and don't think like us. That is not what the people of God do. And if you need to repent of that, today would be an awesome time to do it. Oh, and by the way, Halloween is coming. Do not retreat into your fear cave. Get out of your house and take your kids or your grandkids around the hood and meet your neighbors and greet them with joy and share the peace that you have in Jesus with your neighborhood. And when those little kiddos come to your house, greet them with joy, maybe give them a healthy treat, and print off a little scripture passage that means something to you. At my house this year, it's going to be 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God came was to destroy the devil's work. Exclamation point. Take that and have a happy Halloween. <laughs> We're going to break up into small groups for a few minutes. I want you to share with each other what God has said to you in this story this morning. Look around for somebody who didn't come with you, and nobody gets left out. Four, five, six people. Do this real quick. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in with us today. Stay tuned for more content coming soon. Have a blessed day.